Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller with Axis Entertainment. I'm here with the CEO of Ultimate End Gamers League, Titus Walker. Hey, Titus. Hey, how you doing? I'm just laughing because I always skip a podcast. It's so good to have you on the show. Like we have not talked esports in a while. Yeah. So I'm super excited. I'm running across you guys. You are the CEO of Ultimate End Gamers League. And like you are the ultimate team esport, not individual. Yeah. You guys are the team. Tell me a little about what you guys are doing because I want to get some background and talk a little bit about leadership in the esports industry because I know it's shifted a lot since the pandemic. People are saying it's kind of falling apart. There's no yeah. money in it. And I always feel like it's always about, like, you don't always say you're only in leadership. You're only as good as the last day you did something really great. Yeah. And I know that the fact that you guys are still moving and still grinding through it out there is impressive, given a lot of these esports teams have just given up or failed. Like, what's up with you guys? What's up with Ultimate End Gamers League? Like, what are you guys doing these days? And, like, how are you guys surviving through all of this? Chaos? Sure. Yeah, so uh, you're not wrong. The esports league or the esports as it is, is failing miserably. I mean, it's pretty terrible. But you know, and, you know what, what's your opinion? Why first? Because uh, we all yeah. know the brands that want to spend money. We know that, you know, it's just, it was a really big, it was expensive. It was a lot of budget. A lot of brands faltered. People say it was a pandemic. People say there was no consumer connection. I mean, what is your honest opinion of why esports has faltered? Yeah, I don't think it's any of that. I think it's the, the infrastructure itself. You're in PR, right? So esports is is a buzzword for a marketing uh, ploy. Yeah. Essentially, you know, all they're doing is marketing for an individual game. So, you know, they're a Call of Duty league. That means they're essentially just a Call of Duty marketing team. And they're just playing Call of Duty, which they don't own, and building up yeah. an audience of Call of Duty. I always talk about it in the sense of like music. Back in the day, you know, music, if I was to create a a Snoop Dogg fan club, um, I could build that fan club all I want and, you know, maybe get it up to a thousand, a hundred thousand listeners and everybody's listening to Snoop Dogg, having a good time. And that's fine. But once I start bringing in money, which esports started to do, it started to bring in a lot of money and a lot of buzz. Well, then Snoop Dogg's going to start coming around and saying, hey, uh, you, you built this fan club and it's nice and all, but at the end of the day, the, the fan club all just is here for my music, right? And so yeah. why do I need you as the middleman? And so when I, when I built up this space, it was to answer the problem that I saw coming, you know, four and some change years ago, which is that all of these developers and all of these people that are, cre- the people that are creating these games and own these games are eventually going to come knocking and say, hey, you, you can't play my game anymore. I want to build my own thing uh, now that the money's there. Yeah, that's interesting. That gives interesting perspective on it because everybody always thinks, you know, it's the industry, it's there's not enough money. I always feel it's leadership. There are some things that are out of our control, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's all about good leadership and know how to run a company. Is your, what, what background? I mean, do you have a background in sports and gaming? And, and I actually have it in uh, real estate and uh, community building. I actually did uh, real estate development. 
And so we, we would go in and, and develop a community from, from scratch. You'd go and find a piece of land, built everything from a, a, a 10 home community to a 2000 home community. So we did super communities. And so building communities is kind of my, it's my background, really. Which um, makes sense because in esports is all about tournaments and communities. I mean, gaming, people are on the gaming online and they're playing for like years, months meeting people they don't know who they are they're just you know right. advertised. but i mean it is a community without the community there is no esports and right. i love what you said that esports is a fancy word for marketing it's a game yeah. no matter if you're multi-gamers whether yep. you're a single gamer it's the same thing you're still competing against everybody or whoever you're talking to while you're playing esports is a better way to make it sound like it's an electronic electronic sporting game right right make money from brands to do it on a bigger platform so me for me gaming is gaming but esports like you said marketing buzzword but it was really to blow up a larger scale platform so people could watch where the brands come in but like right i personally so okay so definitely definitely not a gamer had a lot of esports clients but my big thing is if I'm at a tournament, I'm at a Clippers game, you know, Phillies game, football, basketball, baseball, whatever you call it, you have that engagement. You're watching mm-hmm. the game, you're talking to each other. I feel like when it's, you know, what's going on, hockey, red line, blue line, Clippers, everything, basketball, baseball. But when you're watching a league tournament, players yeah. tournament, you're just sitting there in the stands watching a bunch of people on their computers playing there's no real true engagement with the game. I feel like there's engagement with the brands. You know, if you have Pepsi or Coke or Frito, yeah, you're eating your, your whatever, you're buying Budweiser, but you don't have any engagement with the players and the game. So I feel like that's also why the business model finally caught up with the industry where this is a shitty business model. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. Like essentially the esports. Yeah industry has no human factor. Yeah. And the human factor is what makes a sport, right? Yeah. If it's all digital, then where is the sport? Essentially, it's it's you're just watching this this digital thing happening and there's nothing really to it. Yeah. Uh, and so finding that human factor in the esport was how we created the business model. Essentially where we changed the model and kind of flipped it on its head is in that human factor, creating the sport that you can watch where you're really able to see and engage and see the decisions being made that are outside of the game. When you think about, you know, football, a lot of the the time watching football is spent trying to understand behind what decisions are being made. Oh, the coach is going to call this player. They ran this defense or what, you know, how are they, are they going to run the ball or throw the ball? All of those decisions really make it to where you feel like you're playing the sport yourself. You're not just watching the sport. You want to see how it unfolds. It's like a puzzle, right? Yeah. Well, esports can be similar, except the problem is when you're only playing one game, when your only focus is that one game, then it makes it very difficult because the one one game plays the same. And so these tournaments will go on for hours and you're just watching the same match and everybody playing the same way the entire time. But you're just watching watching them down in the pit on their screens. Like how, give me the differentiator between that and what you guys have done have to stay in the game, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we created the world's first multi-game esports league. So essentially, rather than somebody mastering a game, a single title and marketing for that game, we've become the art itself. So the gamers are now mastering the art of gaming. 
And so what we did is we took all five major genres in gaming. There's fighting games, sports games, racing games, shooting games, and strategy games. And we've combined them all into one setting to where now you're going to play across all these different games and try to master them. And so rather than you playing one game in a match, in one single match, you're going to play in upwards of 20 to 25 different games. So you're going to see all of these different games played. And in between those games, you're seeing the competitors start to get in each other's head or call plays that are going to differentiate. They get a certain amount of forfeits. They have timeouts. You're watching as this clock is running down and who's the coach? The, the coach has a team of, of seven players that all are, have different mastery levels in the different genres. And so they're deciding. It's like the Olympics of gaming because you're, yeah. you're doing multiple things. You got multiple heats and runs and you're just in a, like, and like any sports. You can see the leaderboards. You can see the weaknesses, the strengths. You can pivot it around. So it's, it's giving people more of a immersive experience as a gamer to want to play, but you don't have, but are you guys out there live in arenas or is this kind of yes. like, yeah, we're, in, okay. we're live in arenas, all in person. There's nothing, uh, nothing online. The game itself is a set. It's a seven on seven matchup where I, I, I liken it to like the UFC where the UFC took all of the different styles of fighting, combined them and created the ultimate fighter, right? We've created, we've combined all the styles of competitive gaming and now we're creating the ultimate gamers. It's more about mastery of gaming and strategy where the viewer can be engaged and involved in what's going on. Like I said, similar in between games, you're deciding what's this coach going to do? Are they going to put in this player or this player? You know, how are they going to operate? Are they going to forfeit this game? You know, will, will they save some time and call a timeout? All of those things allow you to be engaged with the game itself instead of just having to kind of watch this digital marketing <laughs> uh, where you're watching yeah. somebody play a game and hoping to get that person to play the game with you. That was the whole reason why I, I, I mean, I love the whole esports industry and love the clients, but it was always such a challenge because people, you know, they packed arenas, but let's just be honest. It was funny that they even were able to get all the money and the brand power to do this because the people in the stands Sitting there's watching you in front of your computer playing the game. I mean, I know there's a big screen so you could watch it, but there was no consumer engagement. So I kind of feel the marketing from esports is what really tanked the industry. There was no real true leadership. People were just like, hey, we have all this money. We're going to do a big event. It's so great exposure for us. Look at what we're doing with um, athletes and stuff. But at the end of the day, they didn't really, they became event planners. They weren't really. Yeah. Sports. I mean, most of some of these companies just became big event planners because the budgets were there for esports and there were celebrities. They never really focused on the game. They just figured the game would just run its course. Exactly. And that to me, and the fame only gets you so far. That that fame, you yeah. know what I mean? It, that that just like you know, there's there's no billionaires in music without the business behind it, right? They have yeah. to have the business behind it because the fame gets you so far, right? The well, artistry that, gets yeah. you so far. That's how I, I feel it kind of faltered because there is no real business model, at least that I saw in esports. I saw all the players. I saw the leagues. You know, we had a few NBA players. We had a lot of sports people. But there was where was the business model? You just did an event, brought people to watch people play in their gaming chairs. But there was parties before and after, and it was fun. But there was never really any money. The money went into the players. But there was no revenue coming back unless you knew how to run an event 
you know, we used to go in revenue neutral. So the money was on the event side. It wasn't on the players because you had to pay the players. Right. And some right. of these people. And so I know it's different when you totally, like, and I mean, I guess I see sports is different. You got F and B, you got ticket sales, you got merch. I just feel esports well, wasn't it, really fought, but they, they weren't able to do the same thing. It was, it wasn't, there was just no engagement to be able to. I think esports is different. Esports is different than traditional sports in a sense that esports had the benefit that also ended up being its downfall. The benefit of a player base that is so massive that everyone assumed that because, oh, 2 billion people play video games, this has to be successful. That That's the way people think, right? Like, oh, it, you know, whereas basketball, you had to build, it, it, you could, everybody didn't yeah. play basketball when it was created. You had to build that up, right? So esports, when the term esports came out, gaming had, it was already a $100 billion industry. So it wasn't like you were trying to create something out of thin air. This, the gaming already existed and it existed for a long time. The first esports tournament was in 1980 with Atari playing Pong. Uh, yeah. You know, and so, so they, th- that had already existed. And now people were trying to take that and build a business off of it. But the one thing that they were kind of missing was the key factor in that you don't own the game. And so by creating a, an entire industry around games that you don't own, Eventually, I always talk about it like, you know, if I'm building a house on land I don't own, it doesn't matter how big the mansion, it could be an entire apartment complex. But if I don't own the land it's on, then I don't own it. Right. And so eventually yeah. somebody's going to come and take it from me, no matter, you know, no matter how big. Yeah, I just think it's, it's an interesting concept. I forgot how long the gaming industry has been around. Yeah, long you time. Know? Yeah, it has been. And it was just you know, way back when it was just all the games with Madden and things were just coming out on the video side. Then yep. it became video gaming, which became gaming and became esports. I love how it evolved. And the only thing really that evolves is the consumer engagement and the marketing spin on it. But then the day we're still back in the gaming industry. We're just doing massive technology has been so advanced. We're able to do multi-platforms in front of people now. Right. Weren't before, but you're right. The business model, if you didn't understand... If you didn't know how to do an event, you weren't going to be able to pull it off. But at the same time, yeah. just being able to do an event isn't sustainable. And I right. feel like that's and and I you know between that you're, you're doing one event one event a year and hoping that every single year it's going to be just as popular. But yeah. you're you're still hinging it on the success of each individual game. If you do a Fortnite event every year, eventually Fortnite dies just like everything else. Well, like it's going to get old. It it's not going to be the, the hottest newest right. thing. Right. You guys are bringing in multiples of the hottest games, like batches of them. So it's not if one game falters, whatever happens, you still have doesn't matter to us. Everybody's still, you know. So you have an out and you built a league. You didn't just build an esports team, you built an esports league. Yes. 12 different teams owned by investors that bought in. And now we do all of the recruiting. We get new professionals. We actually had a combine last weekend where the new rookies came in and tried to showcase their skills. We have our, our draft coming up this weekend, actually on Saturday, nice. um, where you know we're, they're drafting all of the new rookies in and they, they get drafted from all over. We have you know, 600 pro gamers that, that are you know, attempting to be the pros. About 250 of them can make a spot. There's enough spots for about 250 of them. But we have tons of people that want to get in and, and practice hard and practice on the team squad. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's pretty serious. And this season, I mean, it's a $100,000 cash prize. So 
you know, the players are, are pretty serious about it. I used to always joke around, you're in a fucking chair, eating red vines, drinking and playing video games. There's no skill set. What's the strategy? But, you know, over time, I've realized when you're playing with teams like in anything else, you have all your players out there on the screen. You've got to know who to shoot, where to go right, left. There's always a team captain or a leader telling people what to do. I mean, it is, it is, and I think it's harder because you're a team player, but you're also, you're not face-to-face, you're not with them, you're relying on what's in front of you, which is amazing. I mean, given how messy it's been, you guys have your league, which is amazing. How many other leagues are out there right now that have survived and are actually doing well? I can't think of one, if I'm honest. I, I can't think of one. I know like Overwatch is having issues now. I think they're shutting that down. I want to say Rocket League potentially just had, I, I want to say it just had, League of Legends just had a big, uh, big event. But these are events that are owned by the game itself. And so yeah. it's difficult to kind of quantify that because that league is owned by the developer and the developer has all of the money, right? And so, of course, they, you know, when they put an event together, they can do all the marketing on their own game, you know, yeah. so, but there's not, there. I really, it'd be hard for me to find or to think of a league that is still around, but they all had that, that, that game centric model where the focus was on a single game. And, and that means your, your success, you know, live and dies with that game. If, if the game, yeah. you know, if the developers of the game do something that ends up costing, you know, money or, or getting them shut down, now you're shut down as well. And so it makes it to where, you know, and, and I'll say like our game is so, in a way, it's like, it's so skillfully crafted to where it's more than just the games themselves. There's there's a game within the games. And so like when you're, when you're a coach, let's say me and you both have a team, you have seven players on each side and they've all mastered different arts. So some of them are maybe fighting game players and shooting game players. Some are sports players. But what happens is there's a random wheel, which we've patented like the way of deciding the game. It's like a roulette wheel, basically. Yeah. So you're, you're engaged in, and when the wheel spins, everybody's watching as it spins to see what the game is going to be. Then when it lands on a game, both teams have to decide who's going to go into that game. But when they decide, they are also saying that these people that are going into this game now cannot play again until everyone else has played. So the coaching side of it makes it to where now you can be so engaged watching like who's going to go in because let's say it's a fighting game this time and I put my fighter in, well, it could spin and, and land on a fighting game again. And so now who's going to go in for that game, right? And so you, because my fighting game player just played, they're no longer available. So now it becomes this kind of, it just becomes this like amazing show where everybody is so engaged and so trying to decide what's going to happen next and nobody knows and the coaches are trying to kind of coach their way out of uh, the yeah. last actually championship that we had the coaches had to coach their way out of a it was like a, a six point deficit they came back tied it up went into overtime and then ended up losing but it was still just such a great show and everybody involved was just it was yeah so it's 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 something very different from what you're used to in these yeah so so the top leagues okay FIFA has tw- 22 leagues and tournaments. Um, FIFA, yep. FIFA, yeah. So I know, I mean, it's soccer. So they're still active. Halo, I think Halo kind of shut down. Um, there's League of Legends, which is still big and out there. Overwatch, yep. which is still a good one. NBA. No, Overwatch actually just shut down and they, they had to pay, they they had to pay their te- the teams that bought in. I think it was like $10 million each or, or yeah. something like that. 
Yeah, it was bad. It's it's really it's it's kind of the talk of the town in esports right now because they were kind of seen as the the golden child. Yeah, so. and I know the NBA still has those. So League of Legends, Rocket League, we have GT Sports. I could Overwatch, which I know Activision. I can't think of any in Activision right now. I know, like you said, two K is good, but two K League is run by two K as well. Yeah. So most of the leagues that exist still, because I know Super Smash Brothers just shut down theirs with Nintendo. So most of the leagues that are in existence now are still run, they're run by the developers themselves. And that, that poses its own issue. Like and this hasn't happened yet, but I'm calling it again. Essentially, what ends up happening is because the developers are a for-profit organization and the people prior, they were trying to make money, but their goal was building communities. When the for-profit organization takes over, the people in those communities start to kind of have this, this mental shift of like, yeah, this isn't fun for me anymore. Because it used to be more about like community and fun and, and that type of stuff. Like you said, yeah. the events were amazing and they're, you know, they're putting these massive things on and they're doing after parties. Well, when it's all about profit, those things kind of go away. Now it becomes, what can we sell you? How can we get people to buy things, right? And you want, again, you want being, merch, you got the merch and everything has got to roll out with it. So let me ask you a exactly. question. This is, and this is what, where I believe, like just being a PR, you should be on this list. You know, and I know Mercedes was back in this big esports leagues, was League of Legends, obviously the exclaimed World Championship. But okay, we'll just let them have that. VCT, Valorant Champion Tour. They're out yeah, there. Valorant, yeah. Valorant, uh, Dota 2, which I've never heard of. And then yeah, it's like it's a basically like League of Legends kind of similar. And then there's ESO Pro League and there's Rocket League. Yep. Are the top three ones out there. And I honestly am surprised that they're still I'm I mean, I'm surprised that they're still out there. I mean, I'm yeah. glad you guys are still out there, but I feel like there was such a messy industry. There's so many people vying for it. I mean, it's just the whole industry collapsed this past year. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I mean the thing is, gaming isn't going away. So even if yeah. it's dead, it's not dead forever. Like, it, you know, it, gaming isn't going away. Somebody's no, gaming, gaming's not going away. There's always new right. games, more involvement. The league management of how to make money of what it used to be has gone away because yeah. people, unfortunately, aren't going back out into events. They're at home. It's, you've got to be able to know how to market to that consumer um, engagement on a multi-level platform versus just hosting an in-person. And I I believe you that, like, I agree with you when you said it is all about the leadership and marketing right now, because that's the only way to um, make it through this. Yeah. Which I think you guys are an amazing job. What are your tournaments? How many um, leagues do you guys have under your belt? And um, how many tournaments do you have coming up for 20 with the rest? I mean, I assume you guys are done with 23, but... Moving into twenty. Yeah, yeah, we finished season seven. We finished in uh, November, and season eight begins January fourth. So we have our draft this weekend. Uh, and then January fourth, it's a hundred, another hundred thousand dollars season. We do three of those per year, so it's about three hundred thousand. Where is draft? Um, where is where are you guys doing draft? Um, the draft is in our arena in Stafford, Virginia. So gotcha. um, we have people come out. We have players from California, New York, you know, North Carolina. Right. They're traveling from all over. Because it, 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 when you see it, you'll understand. It's a really, really fun and interactive game. The season begins. This will be our eighth season. And uh, they've all been you know, very, very successful. Like I said, we have about 12 teams now. We don't plan on doing any expansions at this point. But we have New Jersey team, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Maryland, D.C., Delaware, Tennessee, 
North Carolina, South Carolina, and we just uh, sold a team in LA, uh, the LA Trolls. Ah, uh, nice. Okay. So for, for people who like are trying to get into the gaming space still, what is your best advice? Not so much for the gamers, because once you're a gamer, you're a gamer, but people right. who have like kind of pivoted out of esports, you know, they pivoted out, got laid off, left. You know, it's just like you said, is this coming back in a better version, smarter? Like, what is your best advice for people? Either how do you stay in the game or how do you get back in the game just from a league standpoint versus a player standpoint? Um, My best advice is do your research, research the music industry and kind of how that that went with, uh, especially with hip hop research, uh, UFC and how it was started, NBA, NFL, like do your research, like the business side of esports has kind of been shunned or non-existent and the fans actually crave it. Like people show up for these events and that's, that's great. But, and you've, you've been to them. So, you know, like there's a lot of that, like in between where everybody's kind of just wondering, you know, where do my hands go? Like everybody's kind of like, just like sitting and watching and not really engaged, like finding a way to engage the community while playing the game is a part of the sport. There yeah. needs to be more to it. And it can't just be the people that play that game that become your fan base. And that's the way the current model works. Like you don't even understand the language that they're talking about when they're doing the commentary unless you play the game. And you have to play it at such a high level that you get what they're saying. Because a lot of these games I'm watching and I'm like, I, I still don't understand what they're saying and I play games. So you know, you, we, you have to find a way to engage with an audience larger than the one you're, you're, you're used to going after. And the, the best way to do that is to study those other models and follow, you know, follow suit. If basketball was always speaking about basketball the way it does on the ESPN talk shows where it's so in-depth all the time, nobody would watch it because they wouldn't understand what the heck is going on. You know, you have to kind of create this like surface level and, you know, a lot of times people shy away from that because they're afraid that their base or their audience will, won't want to watch it because they're not using the right language. But you really can't be afraid of that. Like, you can't just just do stuff because because you're afraid. You, you really have to step out and do something different. And yeah, that's what that's what we did. And, and for it's been uh, over four years and it has been a journey, to say the least, where, you know, the first two years. Literally everybody I met said that I was doing it wrong, you know, that I shouldn't do it, that it was like, this isn't going to work. It doesn't make sense. But I just knew that other model wouldn't work. So I would never do that. And I'd been calling it since then. Like, I was like, there's, there's no way this is sustainable. There's no way. Every time I would I would look something up, I'm like, how are they making money? There's no way this is sustainable. Let, let me roll back here a second. You, you know, you said everybody was telling you, you know, you get okay, one two part question. Why did you decide to get into esports? Originally, it was just because I wanted to create an arcade for my kids to go to because I wanted something for them to do, you know, during the week. I had a bunch of money saved up. I love video games. So I I decided to do that. But in creating a business plan, I realized like I need to have something that people are going to want to come back for. And so I started researching competitive gaming. And that kind of led me into this this path of of, uh, esports. Okay, so so okay, good to know. Second question is, people kept telling you, "What are you doing? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Just give it up. Go do something else." What like was it that fueled you to keep pushing forward? I guess what everybody was telling you to do. 
I've always been really big on like research and reading. And every book I read is like, you find a gap or a hole in an industry or a need, and then you fill it. And that's the best way to, to create yeah. something that is, you know, gonna last. And when I, when I initially did my research getting into the industry, I had the University of Mary Washington Business School do their, do a, a in-depth analysis of esports or of gaming. And we found that the average gamer plays 24 games a year. 24 games a year, but yet every esports league only has one. I could not fathom why you would limit yourself to one game when you could, it's, I was talking about like you cast a net and it's like you cast this tiny little net and expect to catch a big fish as opposed to when you could actually, you could play 24 games and now you're catching all of these gamers into one basket. Nobody could convince me that I was wrong in that. Like there, there was nobody on the planet that could say like, it, it, it didn't matter. I, I had family members, I had friends, every, you know, literally every person was saying, this is not the right way to do it. Why don't you, they would say, why don't you just do a normal tournament like everybody else? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be convinced. There's, there was just no way. Yeah, you stuck to your guns and what you believed in. It's amazing because because of that persistent and because of that focus, you know, you guys are a big, the ultimate league right now, which I think is amazing. Yeah. So many times, so what was like, when, I know gaming's been up and down, like your best gaming moment, like we said, you launched Ultimate End Gamers League. I would say this season's finals was so good that that was probably one of my my peak moments. I mean, the team this season or last season, the team that won was one that came up from nothing. Like they were the worst team in the league. They had been an expansion team and the team just stuck with it. And they had beaten a team that won four championships in a row, was unbeaten even that season. They had never been beaten before. You went with you went with the underdog. Your defining moment was going really for the underdog. I always do that. People always make fun of me because I'm such a Clippers girl. I'm like why, why? I'm like because I just I always root for the underdog. Somebody's always got to be a cheerleader for everybody just because they're not as good. Doesn't have a good coach, not a good quarterback, center, whatever. Everybody needs that support. So I'm so I'm I'm just glad it's so good when you have to see startup companies and you see certain people leadership skills who against all odds they stay focused they figure out and they stick to their guns good bad or indifferent and they see the success uh, which is absolutely amazing we always talk about like success and failures on the show because i always feel there's no such thing as failures because every time you fail there's a success a bright side that you learn that you figured out how to do it better next time that worked out what was it the funny moment you mean i know you kept pushing through this people kept saying it's a bad idea I mean, did you hit that hurdle where you're like, okay, this is going to fail. What do I need to do to make the success out? Like kind of rising from, everybody has that rising from the ashes yeah. moment. So I'd been in the industry in real estate, you know, for eight, seven, eight years, something like that was the top period. I, I was the best at it in that industry, making tons of money. And I was trying to build this kind of on the side. The, the company approached me and said, essentially, you have a week to shut down operations. This was like two years ago at this point. They said, you have a week to shut down operations at your, your business or you're fired. That for me was a defining moment, weird enough. In that moment, there was no question what my decision was. And, it, and, and I, had, there were, I was making no money in esports at that time. You know, I had, I was, it wasn't like I was super successful at that time, it, you know, it wasn't like we were doing crazy numbers to where it made sense. It didn't make sense to anybody but me. 
But in that moment, there was no question whatsoever of what I was going to do. I mean, I, I called my wife and I was like, hey, you know, you're not going to like this, but this is what happened. The job, you know, approached me. This is what they say. And she was like, oh, well, I guess, uh, I guess that's done. And I was like, yeah, she, she knew that there was no, I was not yeah. giving up. There was nobody that could convince me. Once that happened, it was like, I had to go full steam ahead into this. And, and it pushed me to, to be like, I, I can thank them for that because it pushed me to, to, to create what we have. Yeah, that was amazing. So real quickly, wait, wait, okay, so know the tournaments. Uh, you have 24 posted. Where can anybody, like if they're a gamer or a brand, where is the best place to send everybody? You can go to our website at uelesports.com, uelesports.com. And we're on all social media as well at uelesports. So uelesports. We're on everything. So yeah. if you if you can just Google in gamers, we're the first one to pop up. Yeah. So amazing. I you know it's so good. I'm so glad that you did not give up and you kept pursuing this. I mean, you've done such a tremendous job with this. It's, it's I mean, congratulations. Honestly, most people give up. I know startups are hard. You got to grind through the funding. People want to give up. They give so much into it. Then by year one or two, they're so tapped out. They're like, we're done. We can't go anymore. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is that defining moment where you just got to push down to the end zone to really, really see the successes versus just giving up halfway through. We've seen so many startups and clients even, well, we've done all this, we've bankrolled, we've gone as far as we want to go, we're too burnt out. Like to me, yeah. that defines true leadership when you push beyond the pain yeah. and you don't give up at that point. So I, it was like such a good like conversation with you, especially in the esports league, which is already volatile that you hit that moment of which way do I go? But you kept pushing forward, which is actually tremendous role model for a lot yeah. of other leaders and a lot of other guys who just give up a little too soon. Like, you know, we're out of time. It was so good having you on here. It's just, I'm so glad I had you on, honestly, more than I thought. I mean, because we always talk about esports, we talk about all this stuff, but like, Honestly, Todd, it's like it was like you're like an actual esports like case study. So you know, <laughs> yes. I mean, you really got to really are given the industry, given what you build against what the model was. Honestly, you guys are such a great story. I'm so glad I had you on to define really. You guys are defining what esports should be about. Thank you, I appreciate and that. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Titus Walker on Instagram or uh, Twitter. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's yeah. that's pretty much all social media I have. I'll find you at one of your tournaments, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm on LinkedIn too. There's Titus Walker. That's where I post most of my stuff is on LinkedIn. Awesome. It was so good to have you on, Titus. This is Sarah Miller with the Axis Effect. Titus Walker, Ultimate Endgames League. Check out the website for tournaments and players and we'll catch everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Axis Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.